0: Om Ajnana Timadandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Muditam Dhena Tasmai Shri Gurve
1: Namah Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're continuing with our reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're on the 7th canto, 1st chapter, The Supreme Lord is Equal to Everyone, taking up at text number 8, where we left off yesterday. When the quality of goodness is prominent, the sages and demigods flourish with the help of that quality with which they are infused and surcharged by the Supreme Lord. Similarly, when the mode of passion is prominent, the demons flourish. And when ignorance is prominent, the yakshas and rakshas flourish. The Supreme Personality of God is present in everyone's heart, fostering the reactions of satan rajagun, and tamagun. Purport. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is not partial to anyone. The conditioned soul is under the influence of the various modes of material nature. And behind material nature is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But one's victory and loss under the influence of Sattva-gun, Rajagun, and Tamagun are reactions of these modes. Not of the Supreme Lord's partiality. Jiva Goswami in the Bhagavata Sandharbha. As clearly said, Sattva de yo nashanti she yetracha prakrita guna sa shudha sarva shudhe pya humam adya prasida tu ladini sandani sam bit sarva Samstitao stitao la twaino kari guna According to this statement of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, The Supreme Lord, being always transcendental to the material qualities, is never affected by the influence of these qualities. The same characteristic is also present in the living being. But because he is conditioned by material nature, even the pleasure potency of the Lord is manifested in the conditioned soul as troublesome. In the material world, the pleasure enjoyed by the conditioned soul is followed by many painful conditions. For instance, we have seen in the two great wars, which were conducted by the Rajaguna and Tamaguna, both parties were actually ruined. The German people declared war against the English to ruin them, but the result was that both parties were ruined. Although the allies were apparently victorious, at least on paper, actually neither of them were victorious. Therefore, it should be concluded that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is not partial to anyone. Everyone works under the influence of various modes of material nature, and when the various modes are prominent, the demigods or demons appear victorious under the influence of these modes. Everyone enjoys the fruits of his qualitative activities. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 1411 13 sarva dvare shude smin prakasha pajayate gyanam yadayatad to david yad vridam satvamit pravati radam Karanam ashamaspraha, Rajas rajasya tani giant te vride buddha Aprakasho pravatishcha, Pramado muhevacha, Tamas tani giant te vride The manifestations of the modes of goodness can be experienced when all the gates of the body are illumined by knowledge. O chief of the Parthas, when there is an increase in the mode of passion, the symptoms of great attachment, uncontrollable desire, hankering, and intense endeavor develop. O Sonakura, when there is an increase in the mode of ignorance, madness, illusion, inertia, and darkness are manifested. The Supreme personality of Godhead, who is present in everyone's heart, simply gives the results of the increase in the various qualities, but he is impartial. He supervises victory and loss, but he does not take part in them. The various modes of material nature do not work all at once. The interactions of these modes are exactly like seasonal changes. Sometimes there is an increment of Rajaguna, sometimes of Tamaguna, and sometimes of Satfuguna. Generally the demigods are surcharged with Sattfaguna and therefore, when the demons and the demigods fight, the demigods are victorious because of the prominence of their satvaguna qualities. However, this is not the partiality of the supreme Lord. Let's just stop and see if there's any reflections or questions on the first verse.
2: Hare Krishna, dear devotees, uh, you can unmute yourself and ask the questions or share your reflections. Gurumayyaa. Um, this uh, This is Manjula. Um, this This statement is a little confusing because we we notice that uh, the Lord comes to the aid of the of the demigods whenever they are in trouble, right? They go to Sveitavib, they you ask Brahma and they, they pray to the God to Lord for help and he says, "I'm coming. I know the situation is not right, and I will come to help you. But then it states, it states here that these changes are natural like season. And we shouldn't get perturbed with them because sometimes goodness is ahead, sometimes uh, the the bad people are ahead, and that's the way the, the modes change. They seem to contradict each other. So what's your question? Why do they contradict each other? The fact that why does
1: what contradict each other?
2: That Krishna will come to help when the, the when when Tamaguna is, is in charge. Well you
1: might notice that when Krishna comes to help, oftentimes he tells, for instance, when he, he meets with the the uh, demigods when they request his help and he says "Oh, now's not a time that I can really do much for you you have to make an armistice with the demons because he said the modes are not in your favor right now so and you look at the demons actually they don't really like Krishna's help for instance when the battle of Krukshetra was shaping up and there was a question of who wanted Krishna and who wanted Krishna's armies And Duryodhana chose Krishna's armies because he didn't have any faith in Krishna. He thought, better to have mighty force of the armies. Surely that will win out over Krishna. And when the demons were churning the milk ocean, they were a little suspicious of Krishna and uh, Vishnu and, and the demigods. When they first started to churn the ocean, the demigods... And demons were holding the, excuse me, the demigods were holding the, the head of Vasuki and the demons were on the tail. And they said, hey, wait a minute, why should we hold the tail? Because we're great heroes and great learned personalities. So then Vishnu just went right to the tail and everyone followed him. Because the demigods and the saintly people, they follow Krishna, whatever he does. And the demons, they come up with their own ideas. So Krishna says, ye yata a prapadyantayatamstatayavabhajam Manavartman, manavartante, manusya partasarisha. As they surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Samaham sababute nami dueshos dinapriya. tumam mai te I'm equal to everyone, but if somebody surrenders unto me, worships me, then they're within me, and I'm within them. So it's the lacking of the demi of the demons that they don't turn to Krishna because they have an aversion to them. They think they're, they're smarter than God. So they don't take his help. But he's there equally for everyone. You'll see that when the demons, when a demon does surrender, for instance, Bibhishana, he was with the side of the demons, but his heart was different. So he went to Ramachandra and he said, I, I surrender. A few people said, you know, don't let him. But Ram said, if anybody surrenders to me, I accept him. Does that help?
2: Yes, Guru Mahārāj, very much. Okay. So, <laughs> so I have
1: also one
2: uh, realization project Pranam. Pranam. Um, I like the point which Dīva um, Goswami mentions in the Bhagavad Sandarbha. How the Lord, Supreme Lord is transcendental. Because whenever we declare in any war, in India also we know in, there are people on religious ground, they fight sometimes. They say, God is my side. Because it is, we declare ourselves God as ourself, but God is really equal to both the parties. So it is just a the matter of are interacting or fighting based on the gunas, which is Rajaguna or Tamaguna. So, but God is always transcendental. That is the thing we should
1: note. Thank you, Bali Prabhu. That's very helpful. Uh, Sri Madhava Mahotsava said, it seems that one person cultivates pure passion and another pure goodness. Goodness will always be victorious. Sure, but you'll notice that at sometimes the demons are victorious because passion is prominent at a particular time, and other times goodness is prominent. That's why at certain times Vishnu tells the demigods that you'll have to wait till the time is opportune here in the material world because now the demons have the advantage. Another uh, reflection or question? Hare Krishna,
3: Ruma where are Madaba. you? From Argentina.
0: Jai, Good to see you.
3: Thank Great you. Nice to see nice you. To see you also. Thank you for the lecture. Yeah. in the purpose Shloprapa said about that in the war, both uh, lose. Also, uh, the, he give the example of the Germany and the British. So when the war is, is happened,
1: everybody lose. Yeah, like George Harrison sang in that song, uh, Sue Me, Sue You, Blues. He said, let's get together. We'll all get together and have a bad time. <laughs> it's in his lyric. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, when it's in the mode of passion, the result is always the same. There's, there's this breaking down at the end. At the beginning, it seems fortuitous, but then something grinds down everything that you were trying to do. And there's a way that... If somebody's doing a duty and it becomes troublesome and they say, I quit out of the mode of passion, then you don't get the result that you're looking for. So really um, this chapter is shaping up and we'll give more and more evidence here. Prabhupada, uh, first of all, Shukadeva Goswami is giving the evidence. Prabhupada's then piling it on uh, more and more evidence to prove that we are self-determining. That is, uh, it's our... A prerogative as uh, conscious living beings. We're not dead stones, but we're agents. We can change and we can improve ourselves by applying the principles of Shastra so that we come to the mode of goodness. Most people don't know this because they're under the modes of passion and ignorance and it's hard for them to understand the principle. That's why it's important to propagate goodness and also give transcendental knowledge so people can develop discrimination and understand it yeah I just uh reading this morning in the yoga sutras and it's remarkable how edifying cultivation of these sattvic principles is for instance uh maybe I'll just read you a couple lines from Patanjali's work here so you'll be shocked and amazed
0: do you want to be shocked and amazed? Anybody that doesn't, yeah.
1: you can just put yeah. yourself. Just mute me for a minute here. And then I'll let you know when you come back on if you don't want to be too shaken up. So here he's talking about the yamas, by which you have to, to cultivate um, this uh, sattvaguna. So first one is nonviolence. In the presence of one who is established in nonviolence, enmity is abandoned. When one is established in truthfulness, one ensures the fruit, of action, in, in, the fruit of actions of others. When one is established in refrainment from stealing, all jewels manifest. These are sutras, so I'll just say a couple of things about them. Upon establishment of celibacy, power is attained. When refrainment from covetousness becomes firmly established knowledge of the ways and wherefores of births manifests. So he, uh, Patanjali, uh, Vyas, giving his commentary on this, describes how for each one of these um, yamas in which one uh, becomes an agent of change and uh, de- self-disciplines and develops these particular um, sattvic habits, that there's a fruit. For instance, covetousness in, means that I I want what other people have. I want to take it from them. And uh, this body, he points out, is actually somebody else's. <laughs> and if I want if I want to enjoy it myself, this is my body. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'll destroy it if I want. This coveting somebody else's property. When one gives up all sense of covetousness, then he says the mind becomes so still and clear. This like on a pond that's clear and still. You can see the pebbles at the bottom very clearly. And he says, so a person that's developed that kind of stillness of mind is able to see uh, his or her previous uh, lifetimes very clearly. Uh, what I did, what brought me to this uh, position, and so forth. And in the, the one previous to that, he says... Um, he says, when one is establishing refrainment from stealing, all jewels manifest. So different uh, acharyas have different comments on that. But it says, if you if you completely give up the desire to steal and you don't steal, completely refrain, then there's a way in which uh, all kinds of wealth starts getting attracted to you <laughs> for various reasons. So my point is that. When we develop satvaguna, we attract all good things. When we develop rajaguna, then we run, 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 and end up hitting a wall. And when we go into tamaguna, it's like we're smashed down, and we can't, we can't move. We're just at the bottom of the barrel. It's very difficult. So it's up to us, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, "Urvaṅga Gachanti satvasta madhyam." Uh, uh, <clears throat> So he's describing what happens when, you, when you're when you in the different modes, when you cultivate these different modes. If you're in sattva you get um, lifted up. If you stay in rajas and cultivate that you'll stay in the middle level and uh, we're in the middle level here on the planet right now and it's not so pleasant I must say. And then uh, if you cultivate the abominable mode of ignorance, you get dragged down into hell. loka antena tamasavrita Yeke mahanojana. You get to go live with the other soul killers somewhere when you do that. Let's see. This is from Radhakripa Prabhu. Oh, Manjula Kanta also commented: the body is actually someone else's. What does that actually mean? Well, where would you get it? by the way. Did you pay for it or anything? <laughs> did you sign, sign a contract? <laughs> it's not yours. If it was yours, you get to keep it, but you got to give it back anytime. It's like a rent-a-car. And it, you, know, you say, hey, it's my cool car. I'm driving around. And then uh, he's like, your friends are, ha, ha, ha. That's very funny. You got to give it back tomorrow. So the body's like that. It's not ours.
2: I like that. If it's yours, you get to keep it. That's yeah. Your it's your yours
1: whatever is actually quintessentially ours we get to keep right so radha kripa prabhu says uh, <clears throat> it seems no mode of nature is permanent so what should one try to do even if try even if we try are are not we still we are not still will we not still be influenced by other modes of material nature in our efforts yes if you if you stay within just a regular mode of goodness then eventually you'll be influenced by Rajas or Thomas because, as Krishna says in the 14th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the modes are always churning. So you may be cruising in the mode of goodness, and then Raj, there'll be an upsurge in Rajas or Thomas that will come and uh, uh, drag you down. So, what should you do? Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Mam that is stay consistently engaged in bhakti because by that you'll rise above the modes of material nature and come to the level of brahman and that's where you want to be and finally we have um, so what is really ours it is our piety and service yeah our, our eternal constitutional position is that we're servants And uh, Barsha, does that mean that actually nothing belongs to us, but we also belong to Krishna? That's right. That's what Atmanivedana means, Barsha. Atmanivedana means the realization that I don't own anything. Everything belongs to Krishna. Even myself doesn't belong to me. That belongs to Krishna too. I give my very self, Krishna, that's yours. And when we do that, then there's complete satisfaction, because that's our constitutional position. Shraddha, anything on Facebook?
2: I know Facebook is quiet today, Maharaj, and so is YouTube, but we have a reflection by Sivatsa on chat, on the Zoom chat.
1: Oh, we do, eh? Oh, okay, good. Shivata Prabhu says, It seems as if every living entity has a choice of which mode of material nature they want to situate themselves through association, and whether or not they want to surrender to the Lord. However... At the same time, a perfect balance is still maintained by the Supreme Lord, while all the living entities also have their own minute independence. How does Krishna do it? To an extent, it seems like it's in Krishna's control, but out of his control at the same time. Because Krishna has the control of everything, but jivas have their independence, it also seems like the balance changes between yugas. How does the Lord maintain control while also giving jivas freedom? Well, this is... Um, this is the uh, the the sixty four thousand dollar question and um, uh krisha um gives freedom to the living entity because if the freedom isn't there then how will there be love and that's the ultimate goal and krishna's ultimate goal of expanding himself into living entities is to exchange love with them so if they don't have a free choice then pure love isn't isn't available. So he gives free choice to the living entity, which uh, freedom means, uh, as Gandhi once said, freedom means the, uh, the freedom to make the wrong decision. And so if we misuse the independence, that's part of our independence as well. And Krishna maintains that balance so that that impetus can always be there to come back to him. And by the way, when somebody's in lower modes of nature it is very difficult for them to make decisions because they don't have the light of sattva in order to see what's the right thing. They don't have discrimination. That's why it's important to propagate Krishna consciousness because as you've many, many of you have noticed when you're teaching Krishna consciousness to somebody, they can wake up, they get some prasadam, they hear the holy names, they get association, they hear the philosophy and then suddenly they change their ways because they realize that they have a choice and Krishna helps them from within the heart. Okay, so now I'm going to read a couple more verses. This is number nine. The all-pervading personality of God exists within the heart of every living being, and an expert thinking can perceive how he is present there to a large or small extent, just as one can understand the supply of fire and wood, the water in a water pot, or the sky within a pot. One can understand whether a living entity is a demon or a demigod by understanding that living entity's devotional performances. A thoughtful man can understand how much a person is favored by the Supreme Lord by seeing his actions. Purport. In Bhagavad Gita 10.41, the Lord says, Yad yad vibhūrimat sattvam vi vavā shom shasam vavāṁ know that all beautiful, glorious, and mighty creations spring from but a spark of my splendor. We have the practical experience of seeing that one person is able to do very wonderful things, whereas another cannot do those same things and cannot even do things that require only a little common sense. Therefore, how much a devotee has been favored by the Supreme Personality of Godhead can be tested by the activities the devotee has performed. In Bhagavad Gita 10.10, the Lord says, To those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. This is very practical. A teacher instructs the student if the student is capable of taking more and more instructions. Otherwise, in spite of being instructed by the teacher, the student cannot make strides in his understanding. This has nothing to do with partiality. When Krishna says, Satati Yuktanam, Bajatam Priti Dadami bhudi Yogam Tam, this indicates that Krishna is prepared to give Bhakti Yoga to everyone. But one must be capable of receiving it. That is the secret. Thus, when a person exhibits wonderful devotional activities, a thoughtful man understands that Krishna has been more favorable to this devotee. This is not difficult to understand, but envious persons do not accept that Krishna has bestowed his favor upon a particular devotee in accordance with his advanced position. Such foolish persons become envious and try to minimize an advanced devotee's activities. That is not Vaishnavism. A Vaishnava should appreciate the service rendered to the Lord by other Vaishnavas. Therefore, Vaishnav is described in Srimad Bhagavatam as Nirmatsara. Vaishnavas are never envious of other Vaishnavas or of anyone else, and therefore they are called Nirmatsaranam Satam. As Bhagavad Gita informs us, one can understand how one is saturated with sattvagun, rajagun, or tamagun. In the examples given herewith, fire represents the mode of goodness. One can understand the constitution of a container for wood, petrol, or other inflammable substances by the quantity of the fire. Similarly, water represents rajagun, the mode of passion. A small skin and the vast Atlantic Ocean both contain water. And by seeing the quality quantity rather of water in a container, one can understand the size of the container. The sky represents the mode of ignorance. The sky is present in a small earthen pot and also in outer space. Thus, by proper judgment, one can see who is a devata or demigod and who is an asura, yaksha, or rakshasa, according to the quantities of sattvagun, rajagun, and tamagun. One cannot judge whether a person is a devata or an asura or a rakshasa by seeing him, but a sane man can understand this by the activities that such a person performs. A general description is given in the Padma Purana. Vishnu A devotee of Lord Vishnu is a demigod, whereas an asura or yaksha is just the opposite. An asura is not a devotee of Lord Vishnu. Instead, for his sense gratification, he is a devotee of the demigods, Buddhas, pratas, and so on. Thus, one can judge who is a devata, who is a rakshasa, and who is an asura by how they conduct their activities. The word atmanam in this verse means paramatmanam. The paramatma or supersoul is situated in the core of everyone's heart. Antataha. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, 1861. The Ishwara, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, being situated in everyone's heart, gives directions to everyone in terms of one's capabilities in t- taking the instructions. Oh boy, am I going to read that one again? You could tell, right? Are you ready? <laughs> Say yes. The Ishwara, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, being situated in everyone's heart gives directions to everyone in terms of one's capabilities in taking the instructions. I read earlier in the Yoga Sutra about how if what is established in a truthfulness, then what complete truthfulness, whatever that person says, will manifest. And that said, therefore, uh, saints, they'll give benedictions if they, if they give a benediction to somebody, then it'll come true, and uh, said, some of the commentators went on to say that, but actually they're they're careful, because they only give to people that deserve them, you know, benedictions in that way, so um, there's this uh, very important uh, principle that we're talking about, about capability. Krishna himself says in the 7th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that if somebody has become more qualified by being situated in sattva and is performing activities conducive to illuminating the consciousness it's much easier for such a person to take to Krishna consciousness in a very determined way and Obviously, somebody is very qualified because of having gotten association with sadhus and so forth and can take advantage of Krishna consciousness. Continuing. The instructions of Bhagavad Gita are open to everyone, but some people understand them properly, whereas others understand them so improperly that they cannot even believe in the existence of Krishna, although reading Krishna's book, Although the Gita says Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, indicating that Krishna spoke, they cannot understand Krishna. This is due to their misfortune or incapability, which is caused by Rajaguna and Tamaguna, the modes of passion and ignorance. It is because of these modes that they cannot even understand Krishna, whereas an advanced devotee like Arjuna understands him and glorifies him, saying, Param Brahma Tama, Pabitram Paramam Paramam pravan. you are the supreme brahman, the supreme abode and purifier. Krishna is open to everyone, but one needs the capability to understand him. By external features, one cannot understand who is favored by Krishna and who is not. According to one's attitude, Krishna becomes one's direct advisor or Krishna becomes unknown. This is not Krishna's partiality, it is his response to one's ability to understand him. According to one's receptiveness, whether one be a devata-asura-yaksha or rakshasa, Krishna's quality is proportionately exhibited. This proportionate exhibition of Krishna's power is misunderstood by less intelligent men to be Krishna's partiality. But actually it is no such thing. Krishna is equal to everyone, and according to one's ability to receive the favor of Krishna, one advances in Krishna consciousness. Srila Vishnu Thakur gives a practical example in this connection. In the sky, there are many luminaries. At night, even in darkness, the moon is extremely brilliant and can be directly perceived. The sun is also extremely brilliant. When covered by clouds, however, these luminaries are not distinctly visible. Similarly, the more one advances in Sattvaguna, the more his brilliance is exhibited by devotional service. But the more one is covered by Rajaguna and Tamaguna, the less visible his brilliance, for he is covered by these qualities. The visibility of one's qualities does not depend on the partiality of the supreme personality of Godhead. It is due to the various coverings in different proportions. Thus one can understand how far he has advanced in terms of sattva-guna and how much he is covered by Rajaguna and tamaguna. guna so would see that the sattva in the material world is, it can be contaminated. So when we talk about, oftentimes in the Shastra, when sattva is mentioned, the acharyas say, we're talking about shuddha-sattva, which is a different platform. It's the sattva which is not tinged at all by Rajas and Thomas. And from that position, shuddha sattva shatma, that, um, or sattvam vishuddham vasudeva shabditam yad iyate tatra imam pavrita. One becomes uncovered, Apavrita, when one comes to the Shuddha sattva, or the pure unadulterated platform of sattva. Um, Srivatsa did that, Last paragraph, um, answer your question more. Oh, look, more things came up. A lot of them. Okay, let's see. Here we have from Divyangi. To raise ourselves above the modes, we need to stay always in devotional service. Does it mean we always have to read and chant and take care of deities, for example? Or does it also mean that sometimes parents have to take care of kids and do many other things and there's no time for reading or listening classes as much as we want? What in this way is our devotional service? What in this way in our devotional service? Thank you very much. Oh yeah. I mean, we can ask any of the parents on this call here um, about, um, you know, having kids, there's a way in which, You know, you you have a duty to do for your kids, and maybe at some points, some periods in your life, it's um, hearing and chanting opportunities are more abundant, and at other times they're not. But as we continue into whatever capacity we can perform devotional service, that is the nine direct processes, then all of our activities are transformed. In fact, as we're performing all kinds of worldly duties and performing devotional service at the same time, we get a special realization because we have the wherewithal to see how the modes of material nature are working. And also, there's a way that we're tasting devotional service, and we may feel held back for some time by the circumstances, but in our heart, we're developing more and more eagerness to hear and chant and then when we get the opportunity we can take full advantage of it there's a verse in the Shri Shri number 11 that says <speaking in Hebrew> only one who can learn the process of neshins and that of transcendental knowledge side by side can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality so because Our appearance in this world means we already have a material body and mind. There's no time at which they actually completely let up. Well, there are circumstances for the jivan mukta. But still, the the mind and body go on connecting to the material world one way or another. And there's... impulses from the mind and even from previous samskars that can arise at any time. So one has to go on performing devotional service despite the fact that he or she may not be able to do as much at certain periods of life as, as they want. And by that process of continuing throughout a lifetime, through various stages of life, one comes to the Parmahamsa stage. Okay, uh, let's see, what else? Um, seva, Thank you for that verse. Uh, I'm so glad to learn that everyone in LA is working very hard. And Krishna Consciousness is so nice that you are aspiring for still more work. That is a sign of spiritual life. In the material world, we want to minimize our activities and take rest more. But in the spiritual world, there is no rest and there is no limit of activities. Krishna is unlimited, his service is unlimited, and the energy of his servants is unlimited. I'm so glad to learn that you are prepared to work even harder as a forward soldier to fight the Maya. May Krishna give you more and more strength. From Srila Prabhupada's letter to Tamal Krishna, Hawaii, 18th March, 1969. Um, That was Vata Prabhu's reflection on uh, 719. Uh, Here we have, this is, Oh, Donavari, yes. I like the point that the body is not ours. We're renting a body for some time. I heard one song today. Hey, Jeeva, why are you so proud? You are living in a rental house. You have, a, you have to vacate soon. I realize that if I keep this in my mind, then my ego is down, yeah? So it helps me to concentrate on bhakti easily. Thank you. You're quite welcome. And then uh, Deva Prabhu said, how do we become fully receptive? Follow what, uh, what um, Dhanavari said in the previous uh, message, and you'll become more receptive. Bali to everyone, such a great purport. This is the beauty of Prabhupada. Haribo. Bali, you're you're on some, you know, you're past the Viraja River, as usual, but we only see it when we see you online. Yogesh, uh, Hare Krishna. to Prabhupada, Hare Krishna, Yogesh. Srivatsa agreed. He said, yes, it helped. What should be done to improve the capability and intelligence to understand Krishna and come out of the modes of ignorance and passion? Well, one is to follow the four regular principles. When you do that, it helps you to purify your mind and senses. So there's several activities that are particularly recommended for coming to the Sattva guna. One is Japa. Japa is extremely important. The next one is Swadhyaya, which means... Uh, it means self-examination, but it's come to mean over many, uh, many, many years. Uh, the Acharyas uh, count it in the category of a reading or count reading Shastra and hearing Shastra to be a Swadhyaya because the Shastra tells you who you are. And it's, it's, a, it's a vital practice to perform every single day. And another one of the practices is to work for Krishna, to do some kind of service so that you can engage your senses in Krishna's service. So these are listed as three ways through which you can develop. And then you have to develop your willpower. It's important for yogis, to um, bhakti yogis or any kind of yogi, to develop some spiritual strength. And so we have to practice controlling the senses. So it takes a lot of work because the senses are like serpents and they can bite at any time. So we have to uh, train them. And also, uh, if we go on with the practices I mentioned, then the snakes of the senses become like a serpent without any fangs. So even if they bite, they jump out at us. They don't affect us like they normally would. So uh, practice, uh, the times when we can um, control the mind, control the senses, and engage them rather in Krishna's service. Uh, in the <laughs> yoga sutras, again, there's this point in controlling the mind, count ca- counter thoughts. So when a thought comes out of nowhere about some kind of sense gratification or a hateful thought, envious thought about someone else, then Vyasadeva says in his commentary uh, to the sutra that uh, you should counter that thought by... Uh, another thought that means um, you should think of something else in relation to that. So for instance, uh, if you know, the tongue wants to taste something forbidden, then you just think of eating sandwich instead. Uh, if you want to say something uh, negative about somebody, then instead uh, change that thought, say something positive because he said, then it leaves an impression a some scar. And he said, if you do this deliberately, it starts to, um, Cover over those negative thoughts and so forth. But the most powerful uh, point is to develop a higher taste by um, actually um, breaking through the um, lower modes by Ishvara Pranidhan. This is the ultimate success that Patanjali says. I'm just continuing with what he says. And uh, all the Acharyas who comment and say Ishvara Pranidhan means to. Offer yourself in submission to God. In fact, if you can't do anything else, do that. <laughs> because if you just get down on your knees and pray and, and offer yourself to God, or even if you're not demonstrative, if you're calling out in your, in your heart constantly, please help me. I need you. And please uh, show and let me surrender to you. Even though I'm fallen, I can't do it. I can't control my sense. I can't do anything. But if you do Ishwara Pranidhan, then God, he's so merciful, he'll help you. So that's the topmost recommendation. It actually helps you to uh, shortcut all the other processes. But um, it helps if you try to help yourself also. Okay, there was a couple more. Yeah, okay. Oh yes, please, go ahead. Yeah, Maharaj,
3: uh, you are talking about how to be in goodness, and today we were reading from the Shumad Bhagavatam, uh, Ten Canto uh, 48 uh, chapter text 31. And it talks about that the rivers and the holy places can purify ourselves, but takes time to do that. But when we have the w- when we see a, a pure devotee, a pure person, that is like in a second, like in the moment.
1: Yes, that's true. That's a, it's a really good point and um, actually I just read a similar point in the Yoga Sutras today where it was mentioned that when somebody is illuminated by spiritual practice then they just by their presence they affect others and this is also in the nectar of devotion that a pure a pure Vaishna then has It's like moon rays that come from his or her heart and it affects others so all influences are are subtle ultimately, and the subtlety of somebody's purity actually shines forth, and it's it's uh, something that comes up in in many places in the Bhagavatam. For instance, um, Prabhupada talks about how the the saffron mercy particles, when a, a devotee speaks, because the the tone is Uh, saturated with this uh, love for Krishna. Poetically, it says it gets mixed with saffron particles from the Lord's lotus feet. So he said when you hear that sound vibration, you at once wake up. You wake up to spiritual life. And many devotees have had this experience when they've met an advanced devotee, and they suddenly just feel convinced. It overrides all their other thoughts like, you know, I need to stay in the material world a little longer, then I'll take to devotional service or whatever. And then they just say, forget it, I'm going to do it now. (laughs) And it's the subtle influence that comes from a pure person. So our movement really is based on purity. And our our happiness in life is based on our purity and our spiritual integrity. Because the more we actually attain the um, position of sincerely practicing devotional service, controlling the senses, and so forth, then um, the more uh, we'll directly experience the happiness of Krishna consciousness, not something theoretical, but it's something that we're seeing, feeling, tasting for ourselves. And then when we speak about it, it has a more relevance to others, not just theoretical. Vaishnava mukongirinam putam harikatam This is... Uh, this uh, verse from the Shastra says uh, that if if somebody is a non-Vaisnava and speaks, then there's a way in which uh, the sound vibration, even if it's Bhagavata, it uh, it, it, it acts like poison. Sarpochishta uh, yatapaya. It's like a milk touched by the lips of the serpent, and the opposite is true as well. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Okay. There was a couple more here, but oh, that's Srivasa. I recognize that squeak from the, uh, fire alarm. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mukaravinda, who said, thank you for explaining difference between sattva and shudha sattva Did Patanjali talks in yoga sutras about sattva and shudha sattva. Uh, also just curious to know if Vaishnavacharyas have given commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of Vaishnava commentary. In fact, uh, Advaita Prabhu was a great scholar, and he—he's uh, a Hare Krishna devotee who wrote this book. Uh, he just the section I read early this morning. He was—he giving abundant evidence about how uh, potentially himself is a Vaishnav, and um, you know potentially tried not to reveal too much. He tried to keep this book very neutral because it's actually a, a practical book. It's not very philosophical or theological, although he does come out and say by worshipping Ishvara and uh, chanting his name, which is "Om," then, then uh, that's the, the shortcut. And yes, uh, there's a lot of detailed explanation of sattva and shuddha sattva. In fact, in very psychological terms and in technical terms, the way in which the buddhi, which is the closest thing to the, to the purusha or the, the living entity, when it comes to the point of of uh, pure sattva, then it it uh, no longer acts like a, um, a subtle material element, that the subtle material element that it is, but it becomes uh, spiritualized. And he gives the same example that Papa gives repeatedly about how if you put an iron rod in fire, then it becomes uh, fire-like. So similarly, when you uh, spiritualize your buddhi, then it, it also becomes uh, spiritualized as well. And that's when you're, you come to this level of shudha-satma. Okay, what am I doing here? We're reading a few more. We um, have, um, yes? What do we have? Facebook?
2: a few comments on Facebook. Yeah.
1: Let's bring in the, our, our uh, friends and colleagues from Facebook.
2: Okay. So we'll start with Divyanga Prabhu. He was the first. And he's, he's, he's happy of the Shavnadi gel. And I really need it. And it seems like I'm standing in the jaws of death. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Lila Thank Nandi, you,
2: Jeff. Lila Nandi Mataji says that our false ego is blown away by the true understanding that this body does not belong to us, but belongs to Lord Krishna. No wonder it never listens to us.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Well it's a, it's a great relief actually. This morning I read in a commentary about how um Vyasadeva says the happiness of giving up all material desire is greater than any happiness you could ever get in the material world since time immemorial but including um you know any material riches going to the topmost heavenly planets, just the one thing of actually uh, abandoning one's attachment to uh, the idea that I'm going to enjoy the material world, said just that preliminary (laughs) stage uh, imparts a a happiness that's so abundant you can't compare it to anything else. And obviously we know that, you know, Rupa Goswami then says in the Nectar of, of Devotion, the Bhakti of Samrita Sindhu, that the various qualities of happiness and that is just relief from from the oppression Mudhan of the mudhas of keeping material desires and maintaining them and when you're free from that there's this sense of of huge relief just a joyfulness uh, which is a natural thing but that's just preliminary because he says Brahman happiness multiplied millions and millions of times. Then you get the happiness of uh, devotional service, which uh, makes the Brahman happiness look like just a little drop compared to the ocean. And something else, Shraddha?
2: Yes, a couple more. Uh, There is Jira Nersinghap from Boise. Jai. And he's about the equality that works. He's saying that example of rain is applicable in this connection. Rain falls everywhere equally, but only some part of that land receives it properly, while other part, like stones, does not. Krishna's direction becomes clearer to those who have the capacity to receive it.
1: That's a really nice point. Thanks for uh, reiterating that. And that's, that goes to our job as, uh, as sadhakas. Uh, get, get yourself ready. Prepare yourself to receive more mercy. Find out the ways in which to put yourself in a position so that you can be a receptacle for Krishna's for mercy. And the last one, Shraddha?
2: So there's a question there. Can I bring up a question? Yes. Okay. So this is from Shingar Rasa Mataji, And she's saying that on the point of countering our thoughts, would it not lead to repressing our feelings, which may later on come out in a more malignant way?
1: Well, here's one of the principles that comes in that section, that, that uh, can be helpful. Said when, when uh, thoughts that could be detrimental come up, we should, uh, we should analyze them carefully. Don't just react to them and grab onto them and say uh, yes, no. But he, um, part of what, what this section on uh, giving counter thoughts means is to uh, follow up in your mind what the fruit of that is. For instance, um, if one is a t- attached to uh, killing an animal and eating it, he says, then consider the fact that the Shastra says that you'll have to suffer in hell for thousands of years for killing one animal. So then decide, do I want to kill the animal? If a person lusts, you know, a man lusts after a woman, then he said, okay, consider what the result of that is going to be. In fact, there was a TV commercial in Australia where this man is, riding his horse, and he comes to a ravine, and he hears a screaming, and there's this uh, beautiful maiden, and she's holding on to a branch over a cliff, and then it goes through his mind, like saving her, and then he brings her out, and then they get married, and they move in, and then the mother-in-law moves in, and then there's everyone's, the baby's crying, and they run out of money, and nothing works, and then he just rides away, (laughs) I'm not recommending that, but I'm just saying that uh, this is what he says is discrimination and counterthought, and you don't have to accept your thoughts wholesale, and you can actually um, consider more. This is called Vivek. When they come to you, you don't have to accept envy. You don't have to accept all these things. It's not repression, but it's processing. Repression is another thing when you just say, you know, I'm not going to think about it. But if you process it and think, like, what's the other side of this? Like, if you think of somebody and, and, and you know, say, you know, I really hate that person. and think, well, what do I really hate about them? I do a lot of the same things myself. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, what I see in them uh, that's reflective of me <laughs> that I hate. You know, you can consider it. So that's not repression, but that's actually um, a discrimination. So uh, a yogi should have a discriminating mind to consider uh, you know, what's really going on around me. And that will be helpful in uh, moving through the world without overreacting to the mind's uh, very, most of the time, often uh, odd suggestions. And now we just have a couple minutes left. So we'd like to have a little kirtan. Brahma, Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prishtya.
0: Krishna. Uh-huh. 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 But this is
3: Pare, amo,
0: Pare, Krishna, Pare, 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 Hare. Krishna,
2: Krishna Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna.
0: arrow to the proper Jai Om Vishnupada Paramhamsa Bhabaji Kishor Das stotra Shishimancha the Bhakti Siddhanta Saras goes Hari Maharaj Jai 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 Neele Pravishta Paramahamsa Babaji Shishila Gorkishor Das ki Jai 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 Neele Pravishta Shishila Sakti Raman the Bhakti Vinodha Jai 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 Neele Pravishta Vaishnav Sarva Boma Shishila Jagannathas Babaji Maharaj Jai 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 Shri Gotav Vedanta Charya Shishila, shishila Balade Krushnan Prabhu ki jai 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 Shri Shri Vishnuchakravarti jai Jai Shri Shri Narottam Shrinivasa Ramananda jai Jai Shri Kaviraj Goswami Prabhu ki jai Jai Shri Shri Livananda Thakur Mahashaya jai Jai Shri Sanatan Pataragunashi Raghunashi Jeev Gopal Bhatt Das Ragunashad Goswami Prabhu ki jai Jai, jai. <laughs> jai shi shi swarup damodar shi raya ramanandani gora shakta varga jai nama Naam acharya shil haridas Thakur ki jai yeah. 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 <laughs> Jai Premzaga chaitanya shri kusha chaitanya prabhunitya ananda shri advaita gadadhara shivasari goa bhaktavrinda ki jai 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 shi antar deep mayapur simanta deep goa deep madhya deep kola deep vitu deep janadip moda dhruma deep radhiti patma kashinava deep dham ki Jai shi shi radha krishna gokopina shamakunda radhakunda giri govardhan vada shavana makushi vrajaman laliki jai dwadashupavaniki jai ye ye shi shamakundar radhakunda jmun ganga tulsi bhakti rei bik jai shi jagannath baladev ki jai right. Right. Dvada, Jai Bhakti Vignavana Srinashina Sringadeva ki jai. Right. Okay. Yes. Bhakti Pravada Pallad Maharaj ki jai. Right. Yes. Yes. Sri Vraja Mandala Sri Goda Mandala Sri Shetra Mandala ki jai. Okay. Yes. Chari Vaishnava Sampradaya ki jai, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah, yeah>, yeah. <laughs> Chari Vaishnava Aacharya ki jai, Hari Hariram Sankirtan ki jai, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anathakoti Vaishnavini ki jai, Kuthara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Sam Veda ki jai, All Glories to some of the devotees, All to some of the devotees, All to
1: some of the devotees, Namaste, Nara shinghaya.
2: Namaste, la la
0: da de dine.
2: La de dine.
0: Yahashi put a bachaha.
2: Yahashi, richa, la tanga, la
0: kala ye. She la Donishing
2: all, you meet the tornishing heart. yato yet, yah, meet the tornishing
0: heart. Here is shingle, shingle,
3: shingle, shingle,
0: shingle, 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 shingle,
2: come gam jagatī 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 Isha, mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Thank you everyone for tuning in. And um, there are only two rules ultimately always remember Krishna and never forget. Never forget. So practice a lot. But, uh, we have a great boon. Not only did we get a human life, but we also got lined up with the great acharyas, who pour their mercy down on us. So don't lament about anything. Just move forward with your um, whatever you have to do to keep body and soul together. That'll um, come and go as as is uh, necessary. Do your level best, but uh, put as much effort as possible into hearing about Krishna, chanting about him and uh showing mercy to others by giving them the opportunity to hear about Krishna. Does that sound okay? Is is it doable? Is that doable? Let's come out on let's come out on top we won't waste this uh this this crisis but we'll we'll push forward and we'll we'll spring out of it like um we're shot from cannons Hare Krishna. Thank you so much, and thank you, Shrada, for your diligence and uh, keeping the framework and everything moving so nicely. We really appreciate it. Hari Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare, God. Hare. God. Hare. God. 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 Not
0: armarman Not Hey not to the armarman Not to the
3: armarman